0: Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So, lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey everyone, Joyce here, welcoming you to today's Walk and Talk, where our guest is Marlo Scott. She is a health educator, she's a certified group exercise instructor, and a personal trainer hailing from South Florida with a lot of wisdom around training. Moving and staying motivated, one of my favorite and least favorite topics. So, Marla, we're going to talk about the, all the things. Welcome and thanks for taking some time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, I always love, especially for women, to share the journey of how they ended up doing the work that they do and the work that they're super passionate about. So, can you give us kind of the Cliff Notes version of how you ended up? Uh, doing what you do?
1: Um, Well, it really was never um, the first thing that I thought of for a career. Um, I I had been involved in exercise and I always loved it. Um, I can't say I always love it, but you know, we do what we have (laughs) to do. But when I was younger, I had a, a situation in high school where I was bullied and you know, my parents, they, they're always great at giving me advice and telling me what to do, and they're always in my corner, but it was my dad who really gave me the tools and, and, and taught me about exercise and working out and how to be strong. I was very skinny and scrawny and I guess an easy target to be picked on, and um, he just he, – he was – a self-proclaimed tough guy, but he was really, um, very, very into working out and bodybuilding like an amateur bodybuilder really. And so he, he really taught me about, you know, controlling, um, your stance and your posture and, and your weight, and then also how to build muscle and strengthen yourself, not just to look good, but to feel good. And so that really stuck with me. And then later on, um, I got into running, I became a runner, but my first, Um, career was a reporter I was I used to do the news and write for the newspaper down here and um, after doing you know hard news stories and things like that they they realized at the paper that I have this fitness background and they were like great we need you to go interview you know Martina Navratilova or this person or that person and we want you to have a section where it's all about fitness and healthy living and we're gonna call it healthy living So it kind of parlayed into that aspect of my career, eventually. And um, after I settled down, had children, um, I moved, I moved up to good old um, Lake Worth, Florida, and looking for something to do. Um, I had already been a personal trainer and worked at several clubs part time as an instructor. Um, So I was looking to, um, I had given up the journalism. And I found somebody up here who is working in 55 and over communities and had a really, um, really thriving, vibrant, vibrant population of people who really were into working out. And so I got together with that person. And uh, we grew the business together down here.
0: So how long, I actually don't know the answer to this, Marlo, how long have you been working predominantly with the 55 and up kind of cohort?
1: So I've been working with them, I would say about, you know, just major, that's my mainstay for about the last 13 years, 14 years. I thought,
0: so I thought you've been at it for a while, so like a decade plus, and I'm curious, yeah. have you seen changes in the perspective of i don't know I guess the the world and the people with whom you work around kind of what it means to be physically fit in your fifties and your sixties and
1: beyond i've definitely seen changes so first of all i've been in the business for thirty years, like I said it was a part time thing which moved into a full time thing but the and I've worked with all different um age groups and body types and you know older people younger people even kids um but with the 55 and over community specifically when i first started the 55 the typical 50s they were not as interested in physical fitness or maybe they were newly retired and they had a, a couple of health problems or maybe they weren't as in shape but they knew now in retirement look i've got to get I got to get on on the horn here. Um, Now, what I find is when I um, am with like the new 50s, you know, the 55, 65, they are already way above like they already play pickleball and they're doing their active and they're doing their activities and they are, you know, very motivated to do their sports and their classes and their training because they understand I think there's been a lot of understanding over the past decade of what fitness is and why it's so important to our longevity.
0: So that, that's so interesting. Cause that was exactly my question. And that's my perspective, but I feel like my perspective is probably skewed because of kind of the world uh, I live in, you know, fitness is our, yeah. our passion. It's our career, it's our life. Um, and I just, uh, got back literally several days ago uh, from the CrossFit games where my husband uh, took a bronze medal in this oh, 60 to 64 year old group. So I spent the last week hanging out with people predominantly 50 to about 70 who are just like phenomenal, crazy athletes. So I, I honestly, I wasn't sure if like the world was changing or just my perspective was changing.
1: I think that, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of education out there plus people are more plugged in like online and they get they get the newest information like even to, on the today show this morning they were talking about a new study that said, you know, even 4000 steps a day is good. You know what I mean? Um it used to be I still strive for the 10, but the 10,000, but you know, hey. <laughs> um if that's just going to get people out there walking and moving, if it's showing that it's gonna help your longevity and help keep you alive longer, then then hey, four thousand, I'll take it. It's easier. But I yeah, think so, um, yeah, there's a lot that we can do that just help keep us going into our 80s, 90s. For sure. So the research uh,
0: around that uh, seems to show that 8,800 steps. A day seems to sort of be the plateau, but the real crazy magic happens for people who have been largely sedentary and get to that 4,000. Like going from not a lot of moving to 4,000 steps a day is like super impactful. But you know, the other piece of it, um, and you know, for people like uh, you and I, typically, uh, obviously, there's an upper limit to this, but typically, more is better. Uh, until you yeah get, more you know, more better. I mean
1: <laughs> you want you want like yeah somebody like us, you know we we wanna we're also maybe a little more competitive with ourselves, you know, we've been in the in the game, so to speak, for a long time, but there's a lot of people out there who are going through things who have something called metabolic syndrome who where they have a couple of preventable illnesses all in one and Yes, if they've been sedentary and doing even the 4,000 is going to make a huge difference. Um, yep. Just trying to get people to do those things is is the key. And that, that leads to the next thing that I was sort of saving. We were chit-chatting
0: before we went live, and uh, I was sort of saving it because I know motivation is something that you speak to often. And here's my issue. I'm going to tell you up front. My issue with motivation, and Erin, our producer, is now laughing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But my issue with motivation is I worry that people think that they need to feel motivated in order to do the thing, right? To get moving, to take the walk, to go to the gym, to take the class, whatever the thing right. that they are that they they want to do, they need to do and i think there's this perception that if you're motivated you're gonna feel like doing the thing so i'm worried that people sit around waiting until they feel like taking the walk when in my experience more often than not the only way to get there is you gotta do it whether you feel like it or not and Mm -hmm. more often than not once you get moving then you feel like it so I'm always cautious to say to people like, you know, sit around until you feel motivated. So, with that as kind of my view of the world on this motivation question, how do you phrase motivation? What does it mean to you, and how do we find
1: it when we need it? So, I'll give you, if I if I may, give you like a quick little backstory on that. Please. Um, my stepfather. Okay. I was lucky enough to have two dads, right? But my stepfather was that person who was not motivated. Um, again, suffered from the the preventable illnesses, had a cluster of them. And he was the type of guy that was like, I start my diet on Monday. Every Monday, I'm starting my diet. Never happened. It came maybe for a day and then it was gone. You know what I mean? That motivation to do that. And me being health conscious and my stepbrothers are health conscious and, and he'd, he'd try, he'd go to the gym. He just totally lacked motivation. And unfortunately he did pass from a bunch of his illnesses and it was one of the hardest times of my life. And, you know, for anybody out there, who's ever lost a parent, um, especially a parent that you see like every day, you're losing not only the fact that you're so close to that person that, you know, they're part of your everyday fabric, you see them, but they're also your parents. And it's it sucks when you know that it could have it been prevented. It could have. So that gave me the drive even more to work with the 55 and over population. And so that really was a motivator to me. Um, I'm real passionate about motivation, but not preachy. And and the way it is is that no nobody likes exercise. I'm just, I go into every class or every situation, understanding that nobody is loving it. You know, if I get a person that's like, oh, I love it, I'm like, great, <laughs> that's amazing. But most people don't. So um, there's tips and tricks that you just kind of have to to go at, so that you can just make those first steps. I tell people if you can just roll yourself into my class, that's it. That's all you need to do. I'll take it from here. You know, um sometimes money is the motivator. If you pay for classes or you pay for a trainer, that is going to be the motivator. You have to find out what your personality is. I'll spend a whole class in uh, I I teach also on the college level. I have a master's degree in health education. And I'll spend a whole class just working with the students on what behavior type you are. Are you a type A? Are you a type B? And then what is going to motivate a type A as opposed to a type B? So rolling it back to
0: kind of the most basic, what what is motivation
1: in your view? What are we talking about when we talk about motivation? Um motivation is kind of intrinsic, right? But a lot of people lack it intrinsically. So you have to start to think about, you know, there's a a whole um, logic theory, you know, of of how to get started with something. And it really, it's for anything. Like people make smart goals in business. You can make smart goals for fitness. You know, maybe start writing it down, keep a journal. Um, I tell people like when they do go to a class or they do take a walk, because walking, as you know, um, all those good endorphins get kicked in, and you really feel good after a walk. I, I don't know too many people who've ever regretted a walk or a workout, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, just just maybe put put a note in your phone or pen to paper about that feeling, because then you want more of that feeling. You forget the feeling, but if you do it enough times, it's there. You know, hey, I, I feel really not good today, but if I know if I go on that walk, I will have that feeling. So some people get addicted to the feeling. Um, Some people have to just put it in the calendar and have a routine. You know, structure eliminates stress. So if you're real stressed out and you have some structure and exercise is part of that structure, you'll do, you know, double to eliminate the stress in your life.
0: I think that's one of the reasons that walking is one of the many reasons, but one of the reasons that walking is so powerful is to your point, there are not a lot of barriers to it. Uh, Right.
1: Exactly.
0: For me, you know, again, going to something that you just said, like sometimes my, again, motivation is a a tricky word for me, but sometimes I don't want to do the thing, whatever the thing is, But I know that I want to feel how I'll feel when I'm done. So I'll sort of be like, all right, if I just do this thing for half an hour, then I get to feel the way I'll feel on the other side of it for the rest of the day. So I kind of make that deal with myself.
1: That's true. And that's key. And, you know, that feeling happens after a few minutes. Like I usually, if I'm really not having a day, I'll just be like, you know, 10 minutes. If I just 10 minutes and you know what happens after the 10 minutes, I'm usually continuing on for another 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And I think that's why the guidelines that are out there now are, are built in the way they are so that people won't look at it. Like, you know, when they have the guidelines that you have to do 30 yep. minutes in every day, it, now they have, you know, listen, if you can get ten ten 10 minute bouts of exercise a couple of times a day, whether that's you know walking up and down the stairs at your office or walking outside or whatever i think people can digest that a little bit easier and it doesn't seem like such a big task you know a half hour seems like oh this is going to be such a drudgery but if you think hey for 10 minutes if i just go do this and and you've got to give yourself little tricks and maybe music is what's going to motivate you i know music motivates me and there's Scientific research on different songs that are more motivating than others and you know beats per minute. So I mean music is a great motivator, even if you just walk around or dance around your house, you know One
0: of my my favorite sort of hacks for a walking practice uh, is to encourage people to find a book that they're really interested in and designate it their an audiobook and designate it their walking only book. And it's best if it's like a page turner or a mystery and you just have
1: to make a deal with yourself. I can listen to this as much as I want, but only when I'm walking. Oh, you know what? And it sucks you in. Like um, I was listening to one of your, one of your walk and talks about friendship. And I was like, I'll listen for a few minutes. I wound up listening to the whole thing and (laughs) walking. I love so that. It was a bonus. It was a bonus day. <laughs> awesome.
0: So, Marlo, I understand that you are getting involved in some travel, um, which is something, uh, so I, I don't know that you know this about me, but I spent 10 years as a travel writer. Uh, oh, so no, I didn't know So this idea that. of sort of marrying the passion for fitness and wellness with a little bit of travel spice, what is
1: that about? So. A big trend, um, and I've interviewed a few travel agents and talked to a couple people. I'm friends with somebody who does sustainability travel. Um, There's a big push for vacations by people now that we're traveling again. COVID seems to be the restrictions are lifted and people are out there again. Um, They want to do things that, you know, they've adopted healthier lifestyles. They've worked so hard. They go on the walks. They do the things. They don't want to undo it with uh, a trip that's going to, you know, not only be costly, but that they're going to eat bad food and they're going to come back, you know, weighing another 10 or 20 pounds and they have to do all this work after they come back. They want to do something that is, number one, going to make them feel good. Maybe they're going to learn something. Um, maybe there'll be excursions, and and they'll be in nature. So that's the big thing. So that's called a wellness, um, a wellness travel trip. And so I've been working with um, some agents, and we we book these trips for people, and they're great. I've done a few. Uh, I just went to a luxury spa, so that was very fun. And, um, you know, mostly if you have the time, which a lot of people, when they get into the 55 and over age group, they have more time to do a longer trip. And some of those longer trips can be life-changing, you know, um, they can really change your perspective on how you feel and, and what stressors are on, are, you know, in your life. And a lot of these places, they will keep you busy from, you know, as as busy as you want to be, but they'll give you all the pieces, they'll give you the mental health counseling, they'll give you the nutrition piece, the exercise piece, being one with nature. So I mean, it it really runs the gamut, you can do a lot of different things. And, you know, of course, there's retreats that I can go with people. But when you see all that's really out there available, it's it's pretty amazing. Like it's already been done. You know, it's like packaged already for you. You just have to find it. So I've worked with, like I said, agents and I've put together um questionnaires, my own questionnaires that give people seven questions on how to really plan a trip of this nature. Um, because you you know, you're spending the money. You you maybe think, hey, I love the mountains, but maybe that's really not your jam. <laughs> you know and you would you would kind of need some guidance on how to plan something like this it is a little overwhelming everything that's out there a couple of my
0: favorite trips have been uh, hiking organized hiking trips uh, mostly with groups of women Um, and I just love that you know the opportunity to not plan anything and you just sort of pack what they tell you, you go where they tell you, and you hike two, three, five, six hours a day, and somebody else has done all the heavy lifting. It's I, I, maybe I don't know what this says about me, but that's flipping heaven to me. And then right. you know it's funny because Marla, you said earlier in our conversation about um, some of the clients with whom you work who are into pickleball. So Eric and I have started playing pickleball. Super fun. Um, yeah, and we just about a week ago. Started looking for pickleball camp vacations. Um, wow! place where we can, yeah, some place we can go, some place fabulous where we can yeah. work on our pickleball every day. So that, that's that's great. I, uh, well, we, we haven't actually found the the perfect one. So if you know of one, let me know. But uh, yeah, there's got to be one idea, down here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, this idea that travel is changing in that way you know little bits by little bits around this people want to learn something people want to have an experience i I think people not all people and sometimes well so my husband and i obviously are super super active and last summer he had major shoulder surgery and we had our 25th wedding anniversary trip planned to barbados And normally when we vacation, we like go, 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 we're surfing, we're hiking, we're running around and we couldn't do any of that. I went surfing one day and he sat on the beach and watched. Um, But other than that, like we mostly sat on the beach and read books. I think I read four books in one, and like, that was great. So sometimes you do need that do nothing week. But I do think that we're hungry for these kinds of, adventures and experiences that change us in some way or teach us something or you know, like you want to come home feeling better, not worse.
1: Right, right. And you wanna have um a trip that's gonna improve the quality of life. So I teach a course on total wellness which goes over the nine components of of how to be well. And a lot of these places are plugged into that. You know, they're gonna plug that right into all that they offer, and I think that's really great. I mean, that's it's, it's about quality of life and you know um, longevity, and it, it's all those things. And I, I really I love it because it's very exciting. Um, it's a, it's an exciting new idea. It's not that it's that new, but people are really um, looking around at their spaces as far as the people in the industry and saying, you know, we can really help people here. You know, we can really yeah. make a difference. Yeah. Uh, so what
0: are a few of those nine, did you say categories?
1: Well, of there's nine components.
0: Components, um,
1: that's the word. Yeah. There's nine components of wellness. And I do a talk, um, I did a, a seminar down here, and of course, I, I had to condense it. I was like, this is a course that I teach over weeks and weeks, but you know what, I'll try to try to it. Con- you know, condense it the best they can. But um, it's physical, you know, emotional, there's creative. So like when we were talking about um, motivation, sometimes people will make a vision board and that will be something that they can look at, put up on the fridge or wherever. And that can be something that's very motivating for them to get walking and get moving every day. And it also um, challenges the creative side. So that's the component, your environmental wellness um, that can be anything from your home or to your place, of business, your financial wellness. A lot of people have no idea what's going on with their finances and that creates stress. Um, occupational wellness, intellectual, social, spiritual wellness. Um, you know, all these things are kind of wrapped in, into the fabric of what makes us whole. So At any time, it's a continuum. Like, right, when you're young, you don't have any money. (laughs) You're you're (laughs) struggling. Your financial wellness may not be where you want it to be. But um, when you're older, you may have that, but you may not have your um, physical. So that is the key with total wellness, that it's always a continuum, and you should always be mindful of all those components and trying to keep them in balance. And also,
0: I, I, I assume sort of so I read it brings to mind a book I read a million years ago called uh, and I may get the title wrong but it was called something like great CEOs are lazy <laughs> and kind of their principle is like analogous a little bit to what you're saying because the the principle that the author talks about is looking at your work life as, as a CEO as a business leader um, and identifying the place that needs your attention. And then putting your attention on that thing, kind of getting, adjusting those dials, so to speak, right? And then moving your attention to the next thing that maybe needs some attention. And it sort of feels like that, right? Like there are nine things, not all of them are going to need your attention every second, but sort of being mindful of all of those different components and being like, oh yeah, like that one could use that one could use a little bit of my attention right now. Is that sort right. of the, kind of the way to approach it? Because when you say to people, so listen, like there are nine components you need to focus on to maximize your wellness. I think there's a tendency to be like nine things. I can't focus on nine yes. things.
1: <laughs> right, right. It, it's hard. But if you are, um, so if you've never focused on your financials, right, let's just say, and And now you're finding yourself in dire straits, that's gonna create stress, and so that might cause you to overeat or maybe not eat so now your your physical being is is at risk. You know what I mean you're not you're t- not taking care of your physical wellness maybe because you don't have the wherewithal or the funds to join a gym or be active or do group activities um so it they play a role. They weave in and out of each other. It's really important to to try to be mindful of them because sometimes people think, "Oh, I'm jamming it you know i got I got this going on or that going on, but then you're not paying attention to the other things so it is i, I so I guess the question is how do you pay
0: attention to nine different things?
1: Well, <laughs> I think you just take small bites of each thing, you know um. And and don't let one thing be the ruler of, of who you are, you know, Mm. like um, anything in an extreme is usually not good. Like when we were talking about personalities, there's type A and type B, but then there's the extreme A and the extreme B. And those are usually not good. Um, There's a lot of not good characteristics that go along with those extremes. So I think being um, top of mind that, listen, if I'm just singularly focused on this one aspect of my total wellness, I'm not going to be achieving total wellness. I kind of need to Mm. have things in balance. And yes, some things are going to be lower on the totem pole, but it doesn't mean that you can't go back to it later or work on it at another time. Years ago, I
0: heard an interview with a, a media personality, and I actually don't remember now who it was Uh, but it was a working media personality who was also a mom and i remember she said the trick to balance to finding balance in your life is not to try to measure it on the day-to-day because on the day-to-day you're never gonna have balance. Like We've gotta look at it over a longer kind of threshold. And I think there's some value to that in what you're saying as well, right? There are some times that you really do need to dive in and focus on one or two of these components to kind of get them back on track. And at those moments, maybe you're not spending as much time as you would like with your family or uh, whatever the thing that you may sacrifice in the short term to get your health and wellness back on track or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a healthy balance because like really, I think I heard um some talk show host or somebody say, you know, what balance is ridiculous and we're always telling women that you have to balance everything to have a happy life. That's it's hard. You can't always be you know, be doing that. So, it's it's more like what can I do to make me a better person, you the individual? What can I do for myself? And and maybe that means uh, a self-care day, you know, where somebody else might say, well, you're not being a good mom if you do that or you're not being, you know, you're not having a good balance with, with your family. No, everybody needs to take a self-care day. Everybody needs to do that and recharge their batteries. They can be the best version of themselves. So that looks different for everybody. But um, I think focusing on all those, Things and how they intertwine and you know it's kind of interesting when you when you look at the nine components and you then you look at your life and you say oh you know what I'm not doing is bad you know it's kind of good. it can make you feel good about yourself like hey I am doing I'm taking care of myself physically and you know my finances are okay they're not that terrible you know I think I think you can take stock and then it makes you feel better like hey I'm not that terrible I think
0: so too, right? Because we have this tendency to look at the things. If, if you look at nine things, there's bound to be one or more, but you know, a couple that aren't quite where you want them to be. But other ones where you're like, yeah, those are doing okay. But then if you don't get super intentional about looking at that, I think many of us have a tendency to just kind of zero in on the ones that are not quite them to be and ignore the places where we are doing well so it's probably a great exercise for that reason too
1: yeah and I think even with these wellness um, excursions and trips they they do that they do a good job at trying to give you a little smattering of everything to try to get you in balance as a whole person and um, and it's just it's really good for your overall health and longevity all right. Sign me up,
0: sister. Sign me up. <laughs> where are we because, going next? Where are we
1: going? <laughs> uh, where are we
0: going next? Because I am I, I need a little bit of rebalancing for sure. Anyway, this has been really fun. Thank you for being here. If people want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing or explore this idea of some wellness travel, where are the best places to find you?
1: Well, um, I'm on Instagram, first class N, like Nancy, fit um and that's also my gmail so if anybody wants to send me an email they can do that um i'm on uh facebook at first class fitness and wellness and i'm on youtube as just me marlo scott and i have uh workouts that people can try if they if they need a little motivation to move in their house (laughs) when the weather gets cold and bad or if you're here in south florida and it's like really hot and you want to work out inside i have a couple of workouts that you could try
0: perfect we will link all of those in the show notes marlo thank you for taking some time to hang out with us today appreciate it thank you it was great thanks for having me thank you for joining us for today's walk and talk Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.